Hello everyone and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby Podcast. I am your host Teresa Reese and I am going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And today's poem is called I See You Staring. Here we go. I see you staring as she walks by. You pretend to have something in your eye. Sometimes you're bold and you keep on glaring while I am standing right next to you. Oh, how daring and disrespectful too. I try to pretend like this doesn't bother me, but the truth is it does. And you can't even see it. The frown behind my smile on the inside out you lusting after other women has me in so much doubt of our relationship or your level of commitment are you all out or are you all in i try to pretend like i don't see you staring but i do and it makes me feel so neglected when your eyes wander hold on y'all gotta get to the other page When your eyes wander, and they often do, do you really want them? What should I do? I have heard many say, this is how men are. But a godly man, I do believe, trains himself not to stare. Maybe that's just all in my head. I choose to believe that lie because the truth hurts so badly. Nevertheless, I have to admit that I often see you lusting and staring at them. So I hope that you have had the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. So when I saw that poem, I was like, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, I had an actual friend of mine. Let me see if I can find it while I have y'all online. Um, I had a friend of mine reach out to me because he paid attention to some of the things that I've said in times past. And he's also read my book. (laughs) So he reached out to me and let me tell you what he said. Excuse me. See if I can pull this up. So he shared a passage with me and it said, And I'm going to read a part of it only because I don't know where it came from. And also because he only shared a screenshot. But it says um, the heart can be corrupted by lust even quicker than your body. Those leering looks that you think nobody notices, they also corrupt. And it says... According to this, Jesus speaks of the eye as the starting point of adultery. (coughs) Excuse me. And then it goes on to say, as Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. And that was Job 31 1. And then it goes on to say marriage is intended to be a place of blessing one another and a source of blessing for others. This means a life of radical faithfulness within marriage. Um, that's Matthew 5, 31 through 32. 
And it says Jesus speaks against use, <clears throat> excuse me, using divorce as a quote unquote cover for selfishness and whim. And that's verse 32. And according to this screenshot that he sent to me, that is based off of the message Bible. And what he said was, I was studying in the version app. And once I read this paragraph and verse, I went to the chapter and notated. He said, I went to the chapter notated and I immediately thought of you. He's referencing me. Um, you wrote in either one of your poems or on one of your social media posts. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you said a man trains and he put trains in all caps, his eyes not to look at another woman. He said, I honestly thought that was BS, <laughs> but I realized that it is exactly how to keep you from cheating and having lustful thoughts. He said, reading this confirmed it. So I told him how awesome that was. And the fact that he remembered the words from my poem was really awesome as well. Um, and then I, I thanked him for sharing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So then I asked him to let me know what scripture that was. And so that's when he said Job 31 1. Because I don't memorize the scriptures. I'll read the scripture, but I don't always memorize the scripture. So then he said, the world is full of beautiful women. And there are plenty who love to flaunt it. However, they are, there are plenty of women such as yourself, he's referencing me, that display beauty without revealing too much. It takes real effort, and he put that in all caps, and the help from God. And then he said, and, oh, he said, and help from God's spirit to overcome lust. I agreed. And then I said, you're absolutely correct, which in my opinion, why we need God. And I said, and thank you for the compliment. And he said, you're welcome. The verse is good. And that chapter is great. I am going to study the whole book in depth because I really always had a problem understanding the book of Job. But I definitely understand Job 31. And I said, amen. Great job. And so I wanted to share that because... First of all, you don't know who is watching you as you walk your journey in life um, and how your walk will impact others. One of the reasons why I like being completely transparent, uh, first of all, is because I was told to by God. <laughs> so now I've adapted to it. <laughs> But I was actually raised that way, truth be told. Um, I remember one time I was going and we did what was called the senior skip day. And it was me and a lot of good friends. We're still good friends. We've been friends for over 30 something years, which is a miracle for women. But anyway, I'm playing. <laughs> That's another subject and a whole nother day. But um, so we went and we did a senior skip day together. Well, 
I was the only one of the group that went home and told my mom. And so when the principal called, the principal was, you know, thought they were going to get me in trouble. And my mom's like, oh, she already told me. And he was like, what? <laughs> she already told you. And she's like, yeah, she told me that she did senior skip day, which was unheard of. Um, the day that I lost my virginity, I shared it with my mom, went home and shared it with my mom. So I have always been transparent. This is nothing new for me. But um, when it comes to things of the matters of the heart, lust being one of them, because of the journey that I've been on, the journey that I've come from, um, the things that I've experienced, I know just how too much of anything can ruin a good thing. And I've been in situations, hence that's why it's in my book of poetry, um, where who, who the person was that I was seeing um, spent more time lusting after people on the outside of the relationship instead of being focused on who they had in front of them. And so, um, and at that time it was me. And so I know that it did something to my self-esteem um, in those seasons of my life because it seemed as if my best was not good enough. And it was only through therapy that I started to realize that the reason why I felt that way is because I, because of my childhood and because of my teenage years and because of my early 20s and so forth. And so that was ingrained in me is that if you're looking to the left and you're looking to the right and you're not paying attention to who's in front of you, then apparently I'm not good enough. And so it took a whole lot of removal of layers for me to get to the point to realize that that has nothing to do with me. That has something to do with the individual. But it took years for me to recognize that. It took years for me to recognize that there's sometimes people have their own insecurities and lust is how it shows up in terms of um, proving themselves sometimes to other people like, okay, so I've proven myself to you, but let me see if I can prove myself to this person too. And let me see if I can prove myself to that person too. And it's just that their own inadequacies. And so the more that I started to recognize that I was like, oh, okay. So who, <laughs> I mean, I know I got my issues, but who glad, you know, that that's not one that I could pile on to the other issues I got. <clears throat> so I was, excuse me, I was able to debunk that stinking thinking. And I was able to learn how to articulate and communicate and convey when certain things are done, how it makes me feel instead of putting um, a thought there that I didn't fully, fully have clarity on. Um, and so now I'm learning that it is helping with my communication. So anytime that I feel disrespected, instead of allowing it to fester, which is what I used to do, which is why I have so many poems, um, is I literally um, speak about it. I talk about it. I don't let it just sit and lie dormant like I used to. I was talking to my therapist the other day and I was telling her, that I truly believe that the reason why the tumor has manifested in my brain twice is because there were things that I've been through, trauma that I've experienced 
uh, just crises that I've gone through, just so many negative things that have happened in my life um, that I don't think I ever truly dealt with them. I think that I just internalized them and tucked them away because it was too painful for me to actually address, process, and deal with. And as a result, I truly believe that that's why both times a tumor has manifested in my brain. And so I am starting to learn how important it is to talk about the things that truly concern me. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, um, God is concerned about the things that concern us. Well, if I believe that that is a trigger for me, um, the person that I'm with, the person that I'm seeing, if I know that it's a trigger for me, for that individual to have a wandering eye, then that is something that I have to address. If you are with someone that you know that they are a womanizer or they have a wandering eye, um, that is something that it's important for you to address. For you to allow it to lie dormant within you can be very, very dangerous. Not only that, sometimes people have habits that they formed that they don't even realize exist. And so when I look back and I look at that poem and I'm like, what if I would have taken a moment, not just to write down how I felt, but to look at the individual that I was dealing with at that time and to have an actual conversation and be like, is there any particular reason why you do that? Are you aware that that's disrespectful? Um, because maybe they're not even aware that it's disrespectful. Maybe it's a habit that they form. Maybe they've been single for X amount of years and they're used to looking at this girl's um, buttocks and this girl's cleavage. And, you know, they're used to staring. They're used to just being in awe. Maybe the, one of their things um, used to be going to strip clubs. So they got used to seeing um, a whole bunch of cleavage and a whole bunch of assets. Okay. Maybe they got used to that. They got accustomed to it. That's just how they relieved their stress or that's how they dealt with their issues or because they weren't in a relationship. You know, that's what they did. You're not going to know if you don't ask. And then once you actually get the information, you're not supposed to use the information against the individual. This is my opinion. What I believe you're supposed to do is figure out a way to maneuver your relationship with that newfound information. That's just my honest opinion. So I remember one time using an example. I don't even remember who it is that I was speaking to, but I remember telling them and it's still so clear in my head. So I'm going to use this analogy. Because I know that I've been through a lot and because I've experienced a lot of trauma, more trauma than most, less trauma than some. And because I know that I've been through as much as I've been through, I used an analogy and I was like, we're going to call the trauma that I've been through. We're going to call it Trauma Street. And there's a neighborhood. And in this neighborhood, before I enter into a relationship, I tell the individual that I'm talking to or getting to know, hey, I really would like to get to know you, but I have a confession. And then they're looking at you like, what you, I mean, it's too early for you to be confessing things, but what do you need to confess? Well, I used to live on Trauma Street and 
Trauma Street, every time I go down that street, I relive every bit of trauma that I've ever been through. And it's very, 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 very scary to me. And I get discombobulated. I can't think straight. I don't, I'm not myself. Um, I get really emotional. So whenever you and I are going places, could you please avoid Trauma Street? And that individual tells you, yeah, I I mean, yeah, if that's going to help you heal, if that's going to help you become whole, I'm going to avoid trauma street. I'm going to do I'm going to put everything in place that I can to make sure that I avoid that street for you so that that way you can heal. And maybe when you're ready, we can visit trauma street so you can see if you are completely delivered from how you were impacted by all of that trauma. Okay, that sounds like a perfect plan for me. Okay, so we go into agreement. Now, as time goes on, the individual is like, okay, we've been down this street. We've been down that street. We've been down that street. But I'm kind of curious about Trauma Street. And I just kind of want to see how it affects you. Didn't touch base with you. Just made up their minds that they just want to see how you're impacted when you go down that street. And so one day y'all are going on a road trip and on the way home, this individual decides, hey, I'm not going to say nothing to her. I'm not going to say nothing to him. I'm just going to go down this road just to see how they're impacted. Now, in this individual's mind, however you're impacted, they can handle it in their minds. So they go down the road that you've told them. They go down the street that you've given them the tools not to go down. For the sake of your peace of mind, for the sake of your mental health, for the sake of your just being whole, for the sake of you healing, they go down that street anyway. My question to you is, if you've given an individual the tools to help you to guard your heart and they manipulate the situation or they abuse the situation for selfish gain, Is that a relationship that you believe that you should be focusing on trying to have long term? Because a part of healing and a part of growing is to make sure that whoever you surround yourself with and by that that individual is going to help you become the best version of yourself. But if that individual gets a kick off of pulling your trigger, so to speak triggering you, so to speak, even after they know what your triggers are, that's considered, in my opinion, unhealthy. Excuse me. But if you, if it's another individual in the same scenario and they implant and bed in their minds, we're not going down the street. I don't care if it's rain, sleet, snow. I don't care if the sun is shining because we've had this conversation. This person has given me the tools to help them to be successful in this journey we call life. I'm not going down that road with them because I want to protect them. I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to harm them. I want them to grow and I want them to heal. That may be someone that you opt to try to see what type of future you can have together. See, if you really, truly pay attention to people, they will show you who they are. What we tend to have a problem with is believing what we see. Depending on how serious we are about that situation, we will make excuses for the individual instead of accepting who it is that they truly are. 
Now, if you know, once you learn who the individual is and you know this is someone that regardless of their flaws, regardless of their proclivities, regardless of their past, I truly want to be able to share life with, then you've got to create a safety atmosphere or a safe atmosphere. And excuse me, not using their proclivities against them. What you can actually do is create an atmosphere where they are able to heal and become whole and you are helping them with the tools, but you are helping them to maneuver while they acknowledge some of the things that they need help with and while they work through some of the things that they need help with. So the person not opting to go down trauma street is actually helping the individual who has past trauma connected to trauma street. And if that individual is willing, if both individuals are willing to go on the journey of healing, then I would consider that a healthy relationship. But if there is one individual that is hell bent on reliving your trauma and causing you to relive your trauma, then I would have to encourage you to revisit that situation. It's just like being in an abusive relationship. If you know that you are dealing with someone who knows, okay, I don't like when you do X, Y, Z, and you've communicated it on more than one occasion. I'm, a, I'm, you know, let's use the example toilet seat. So when you say, I don't really like when you leave the toilet seat up because when you do, I fall in it. Now, the person that cares about you is going to be like, after they do their business, let me go ahead and let it down because I don't want you to fall in. Someone that does not regard your feelings and doesn't care about your feelings and they're going to do whatever they want to do because they want to do it. They're going to let that toilet seat up every single time out of spite. Excuse me. Part of it may be out of habit. Don't get me wrong. But even if you have a habit, if someone is bringing to your attention that could you do this just a little bit different because it's making it's really making it harder for me, then it could happen one of two ways. Because if it's out of habit, then the person that's saying, I really hate when you put this toilet seat up and or forget to let it down and it makes me fall in. That person become, can become more aware that, well, this is a habit for you after you've had that discussion. So what they may do is look first before they actually go and sit down and pull the toilet seat down. And that's what you call compromise. So compromise is always an option. But if it's someone that if you know deep down inside, oh, I can make that adjustment for the sake of peace in our relationship, then do that. I mean, that would be my take on it. Just do it. Um, If you know, if it's something that you can truly do, make a few tweaks, make a few changes. It's not going to break you or break the situation. You know what I'm saying? Make those adjustments. If you know that this is an issue for you, if you know that lust of the eyes is an issue for you, then try to read books or try to, you know, have some type of support system where it's like, hey, I'm in this relationship. I really don't want this relationship to end. Um, I know what I was doing when I was by myself and I did a whole lot of this, but it didn't work. Um, It didn't, nothing good came from it. And now this person has brought this to my attention and what they brought to my attention. um, Yeah. is something that I know that I really need to work on. So, you know, when I have those moments and I don't even know why I do this, I don't know. I guess I trained my eyes to look 
in those directions. And now I've got to untrain my eyes not to do that for the sake of peace in my relationship. That's what we call sacrificial love. Like some sacrifices are going to be made when you're in relationships. Some things are going to be needing to be readjusted when you enter into a relationship with other people. Um, To think that it's going to, you know, everything is going to come up roses and you're not going to need to communicate. That's truly living in a fantasy world because communication is key. No matter how healthy the relationship is, you still need to talk about the things that bother you. You need to talk about the things that bring you joy. You need to talk about the things that concern you. Those are conversations that need to be had, not ignored, not, you know, brushed and pushed away. Um, Oh, we'll deal with that later. Later may never come. Honestly, later may never come. And so it's just good to kind of create a habit where you're able to. Still be your authentic self, but just because you're being authentic, you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be disrespectful. See, when I say authenticity, I'm not meaning in the terms of just all out (laughs) wicked. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there's things that you do. There's there's who you are as like, let's say that you are um, the world's greatest comedian, That's the authentic you. That's who you are. Be funny, you know, but it's like there's a way for you to be funny and not crush somebody's soul. That's like the best example I can think of. So there's a way for you to be authentic and still consider other people. You can still be your authentic self, but still consider people as well and other people as well. And not take away from who you are as an individual. I mean, you know, all of us need to change some things about us. That doesn't make us unauthentic. But like for me, my kids will tell you in a minute, the way you deliver some of the things that you say to us, uh, you could do better than that mom. So they're absolutely right. So guess what? I could actually not fuss. I could actually figure out a way to articulate to them in a way that is less aggressive at times, even if I'm fully frustrated. That's still being authentic, but I can make some adjustments so that they're not offended. Does that make sense? I hope it does. And I've had to do that. There's been times that I've had to have conversations and with my children and, and I had to humble myself because the way that I was approaching it was offending them. So I had to humble myself, apologize for my approach, revisit how I'm approaching the situation and then be like, okay, so this is what I really meant to say. Sorry that it came off that way, but this is really what my intention was. And this is what I mean when I'm saying X, Y, and Z. I've had to do that with my own children. Uh, And it doesn't take away from my authenticity. It just means that I had to put, do a few tweaks in order for the delivery to be better. Well, whenever you're in a relationship, there's going to be tweaks that are required in order for your relationship to be better. And so if you're doing certain things that are a stumbling block for other people, and if you're doing certain things that reignite insecurities in other people, yes, the person that is insecure will need to do their self-work. They'll need to do their shadow work. They'll need to figure out where in the world is this coming from? Because nine times out of 10, it has nothing to do with you. But let's just say for whatever reason, it may. To help other people because you're in it together. To help other people heal. And to help yourself become whole. 
there are certain things that will need to be done. And part of those things needing to be done is not just listening to the concerns of the other person. Not just listening to what upsets them, what makes them happy, but also, oh, okay, so this bothers you. <laughs> so I'm going to give you an example. So I, what it, I don't even know the name of what you call it, but what I've noticed is that there are certain people that have certain habits, right? So we're going to call it a neat freak. Okay, we're going to call it a neat freak. So let's say that you are dealing with a neat freak, okay? And a person that whenever you, you know, let's say you go grab a plate and you eat a meal, okay? So then after you're done with that plate and you're done with that meal, they're like, have you washed that plate? Have you put it back where it's at? Excuse me. So I know a couple of people in my world that they like their things to be where they're at, like wherever they belong. They, you know, and I'm the same way to a certain extent, like I really am because I like to wherever I put my stuff, I want to be able to find it again. (laughs) So I'm to that. I'm at that point in a lot of ways, too. You know, that way, if I'm going to go look for something, I don't have to tear up the cabinet because where I placed it, it's not there any longer. So I get that. It makes it easier when you put certain things in certain places because you know where to find them when it's necessary to find them. So I, I get I get that 100 percent. But you, you may have someone or deal with someone who that's just who they are. The minute that you let's say that you uh, I'm trying to think of an example. I can't even think of an example. But I, my, maybe because it's too early and I'm still my brain is still trying to process. But it's like. Let's say there's a certain way that you fold your towels, but then you go visit a family member and then they're like, oh, I got these towels I need to fold. So you take the time out and you're like, oh, I'll help you. So you go and you, you know, start folding the towels and they stop what they're doing <laughs> and they look at you like, what are you doing? I- I'm-, I'm folding your towels. Um, I don't fold my towels like that. Where did you learn how to fold your towels? Let me show you how it's done. It's not taking away from your authenticity for you to look and see how they want their towel to be folded. And undoing the towel the way you're accustomed to doing it and folding it the way that they desire in order to keep the peace. That's not taking, it didn't take anything from you, but it added to their, it added to their peace of mind. So now when they're putting their towels in the cabinet, they are all uniformed because that particular person likes their towels uniformed. So being able to be in the presence of other people where they don't think like you, they have a different background than you do. They've been through maybe worse than you have, and they are Needing your assistance to be better, to grow, and you may be required to do a couple of tweaks just for the sake of peace. So the reason why I brought up this particular subject about I see you staring is because there are a lot of people that have this issue. And I have a 
have a child that does it, y'all. And I'm not talking about staring from a lustful perspective. I'm talking about just staring, period. And we've heard it. We've heard it. We've heard it. Stop staring. But it's so many of us that do that. Why are we doing that? What, what is that about? And so I've had to tell my child, like, especially if she sees someone that does not quite look like her, she'll stare. Now, there's a lot of beauty in this world, y'all. I get it. And there are, (laughs) I like how my friend said it. It's a lot of beautiful people in the world and they don't have a problem with flaunting it. But just because they're flaunting it, does that mean you got to look? That's just a question. Just because they're flaunting it doesn't mean you have to look because a lot of the people that are flaunting it, they're attention seeking. And even the Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. So maybe if you don't look, you'll look up and that flaunt will disappear. But it's just like I went to a restaurant one time I had gone on a date (laughs) and um, the date that we were that, that I was on. Um, we were celebrating my birthday. This is, this is a few years back. We were celebrating my birthday. And the lady who was our waitress had just got a tattoo on her bosom. And I complimented the tattoo. It was like a rose or something. And I was like, oh, that's a really nice tattoo. And a lot of times people know that um, the man, and I know that this is going to sound real crazy, but for the most part, and um, whenever you're a waiter or waitress. So what I've heard, this is what I've heard, is that when you're a male waiter, um, you may tend to get more attention from the female um, so that your tip will be greater. And if you are a female waiter, then you may try to get more attention from the male, um, you know, customer so that your tip may be great. This is what I've heard. I've never been a waitress. I don't know if that's how true that is, but this is just what I've heard. And so um, this particular waitress was when I complimented her on that tattoo, because it was like, you know, right there. You could just see it. It it couldn't be hidden. You could see it. So she said, thank you. But then she started shimmying in front of (laughs) my date (laughs) and telling us how, you know, pretty much how she got the tattoo, why she got the tattoo. And I thought it was a bit strange, but he turned his head. So the minute that she started to try to shimmy, he turned his head away quickly instead of entertaining the shimmy. So then after she left, he made the comment and I was like, we ain't never even had this conversation. But he said, look, babe, I didn't I didn't look. And I was like, but we had never had that conversation. I didn't say that to him. That was my thought. So later on. Um, and I was like, you know, that's good, babe. You know, not thinking nothing of it. So then later on, I was like, um, I see that you were proud of not looking at the woman shimming her bosom all, you know, all up in our faces, pretty much, <laughs> not just yours, but trying to and mine too. Um, I said, and I, I see she didn't get a big tip by the way, but anyway, so, um, but I was like, I, I see how you handled that. And I was like, where did you learn that from? You know, because you're like, I didn't look. He said, my daughter's taught me that. And I was like, really? He said, yeah, my daughter's taught me that. He said, because I used to have a problem with staring at women. And he said, my daughter's told me that they're not objects and that I'm disrespecting them by doing that. 
that I'm disrespecting them by looking at their cleavage and I'm disrespecting them by looking at their bottoms. They're not they're not objects. And he said, so I've trained my eyes not to look. And I was like, so it is possible, Lord. (laughs) It is not just in the word, but it's possible, Lord. (laughs) And so um, so I was like, well, wow, that, you know, that's interesting because I know that we've never had that conversation. And um, he's like, yeah, my daughter's taught me that. And I was like, wow, the fact that you were even willing to listen Um, that's really amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And so I know everyone has their issues and I know everyone has their proclivities, but one of the things that I am going to shed light on when it comes to relationships, men, women like to feel safe. Women like to feel secure. And I know y'all like to feel safe and y'all like to feel secure, but if you are struggling with anything, trust your instincts. So do the opposite of what maybe your flesh is trying to make you do until you can get to the point that you're strong enough to do it subconsciously, whatever that may be. Um, And women, that's for you too. If you know that there are certain things that you just do and you don't even realize, because there's a lot of women out here that flirt with men. And I don't know if they do that to make their man jealous or what, but there's a lot of men that that causes them to be insecure. And some of this stuff can be just stopped. You know, some of this stuff is just, it's again, it's attention driven. It it has nothing to do with, oh, that's just who I am. No, it's just, you just seek attention. You just want attention. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday and she was saying how um, there's a young lady that she knows and she knows that she's blessed in the bosom. And so what she does is um, she tries to get jobs where um, she can flaunt her bosom in front of men um, so she can get what she wants. And I was like, when you objectify yourself like that, this is my opinion. When you objectify yourself like that, you reap what you sow. I'm going to leave it right there. And so um, and I'm not speaking that on you. It's just a fact. We reap what we sow. How we think, how we act, how we the the atmospheres we create, the way that we view people, the way that we treat people, the way that we speak to people, um, all of that, we reap what we sow. And so if this person has made up in their mind that the only way that I could get attention is to flaunt my body, that's going to be the only way that you get attention. And it's not always going to be positive attention. I had a real good friend, Lord rest her soul. She's gone now. And when we first met, that's what she would do. And we were at work and um, everyone's like, Teresa, you need to talk to your friend. And I was like, uh, we haven't gotten that close yet. I, I see what y'all see, but I, we haven't gotten that close. So one day I had a talk with her and I said, you know, you're a very, very, very beautiful woman. Stunning, stunning But the way that you're carrying yourself is bringing you unnecessary attention and for all the wrong reasons. She said, well, the person that taught me how to dress used to be a stripper. So that's the only way I know how to dress. I said, well, were you aware that you could be just as sexy and show less? And she was like, will you show me how to do that? I said, I got you, girl. 
So I took her. I didn't use my money. She used her own money, but we went shopping. And I helped pick out one of the most amazing wardrobes for her. When she went back to work, people were coming to me talking about, so you must have had that talk. I said, I did. Her confidence went up. She got promoted multiple times for all the right reasons. For all the right reasons. And she soared in her career for all the right reasons. And so sometimes we don't have that mother figure. Sometimes we don't have that mentor. Sometimes we don't have that guide. But her relationships became healthier. Men were still intrigued by her beauty, but they were willing to listen to her mind because she didn't lead with her body. Some people will catch that later. So, yeah, we all have our issues. We all have things that we need to work on. And sometimes we're not going to make a hundred. But if we can help someone else, if we can help someone else not stumble, if we can help someone else not fall, if we can help someone else not go down trauma street, to me, that's being a friend. It's not always about being a lover. It's just being a friend. If we can help someone else heal, if we can help someone else cope, if we can help someone else manage, if we can help someone else grow mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually, all of the above, just by tweaking a few things. Who knows? Maybe your experiences will become greater and better. Because a lot of the things that we do are learned behaviors. We see it on television. It works for them. They're multimillionaires. She did a sex tape. Look, now she's a multimillionaire. Okay. That may not be guaranteed for you. That may not be your testimony. And then if you were to sit down and speak with that person, that person may tell you that was never intentional. That was very embarrassing. I never wanted the world to see that. I wasn't trying to lead with my body. I wanted them to see my mind. So it just depends. People know why they do what they do. It depends on the person. But if you are that person who enjoys taking folks down trauma street just to see their reaction, just to see how they're going to respond, just to see what type of, what type of, I guess reaction is the word. You're going to get response. You're going to get. It might be time to find out where is that stemming from? If you're the person that is like, well, this is just the way I am. And um, that's your problem. And you know what? Honestly, you're right. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of us that have issues. But I think the funness of it all and the greatness of it all is when we can sit down together and figure out where these are my issues and you're like, these are my issues. What can we do to make each other better? What tweaks can we make and do to make each other better?
so that when I go out into the world, I am presenting the best version of self. And when you go out into the world, you are presenting the best version of self. And you are gravitating toward better choices. And so am I. If in the end, we become better people because we made a few tweaks, who is that truly hurting? Or who is that truly helping? This is going to conclude my episode on today. I hope that y'all have the most amazing afternoon, evening, or morning, whenever it is that you hear this episode. But please do me a huge favor and take care of yourselves because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. And thank you so much for listening. Bye.